Replacement planet. Despite all the agony and confusion and death caused by the fossil fuel-driven globalized economy, it still has the upper hand, directing governments worldwide through banks, corporations, and the very rich. The perpetrators of this global economy have only bland names for what they do. The system has become so normalized that it has no name beyond the generic, quote, modern economy. Mostly these bosses want to blend in and only be noticed later after you discover you're working for them. Those who recognize this model and loathe its destruction and its disregard for life do have a name for it. Quote, neoliberalism. That's a dry and confusing label though. Not much use as a way to explain things. Let's abandon that. I propose instead, replacement planet. The replacement planet economy is pure and simple and deadly. It wants to replace what we used to call the Earth. Its market is just everywhere. It's anything investors can find to monetize. It operates like a persistent chemical that kills and copies all that it touches, saturating down to molecular particulars that cannot be seen by the naked eye on up to the biggest aspects of the earth, even up to the sky. The replacers see the earth from the perspective of the moon, like the astronauts and that famous picture of the beautiful blue sphere. But what they see is a round ball made of a trillion products. By replacement logic, every single thing in the world is there to be copied, rejiggered for copyright purposes, efficiencies and graphics, and then placed on the market, where it assumes value and is sold. The original beauty and usefulness becomes instantly obsolete, disposable, valueless. The point is, what does it sell for now? The sale is its only use. Replacement planet executives have a hard time worrying about the climate they believe that anything they're looking at can be made new, improved, monetized. And I do mean anything. From the size of your nose to your most intimate dreams to your nation's democracy to, oh yes, that other thing, the entire earth.
orange. We keep talking like it's a person, this orange person. But he's as much a place as a person. This place called the United States that he walked into perfectly matched his orange coloration. And you and I mixed that paint. We built this bizarro place. How did we do that? By producing and consuming, by dying for it and from it, and by being passive as it overwhelmed us. Consumerism, racism, sexism, and militarism. Some mysterious stealth technology insists that this is normal, even noble, even the greatest nation on the face of the earth. It's orange. We must demystify the Donald, stop the orange bleeding. If we only respond to Donald Trump with superior disdain or sorrow or laughter, then he will stay who he is as we melt into the orange monoculture, as we see the orange staining the landscape, the clouds, the Arctic ice, the springs and the streams. But consider for a moment the opportunity this freak of America gives us. Trump swallowed the USA whole. He swallowed all its corporate marketing whole. He's the king of branding. He puts the gold-plated Trump on every building in sight, on beauty queens and airplanes and stakes and vacations. The economists for the 1% never wanted us to know this much. Every living thing, every dead thing is for sale. Nothing escapes. It's all orange. Trump brags about it. He's the devil with a big mouth. Consumerism is an essential ingredient in the fiery dream that slaughtered the natives and whipped and chained the slaves and conned the gold miners and seduced the gold diggers. Everyone and everything was bought and sold with auctioneers and orange circus outfits. Follow the orange through our history from seed to bullet and use Trump to see it all. His orange hellfire shines a light on what we have permitted to happen. We are still doing what horrifies us about our past. Trump shows us. We mix our paint with blood and yellow dye number five. Paint that monoculture orange, orange, orange corporate ads, orange credit cards, orange undetectable Monsanto carcinogens, orange fossil fuel exhaust fumes flooding into every orange nook and cranny. We dye the highway meridians orange, the golf courses and ball fields orange, orange, the picnic areas, orange nursing homes and orange corner delis and the orange shores of reservoirs and orange, orange loved ones, everything, the schoolyards running with orange, orange. He's standing on his wagon on the edge of the carnival and he's got us gazing up at that bright orange little bottle he holds up in the air above his hair. Somebody, somebody tell him. We've already tried it. We already tried it.
All right, Billy again here. I woke up this morning with so convinced that uh, I had a completely correct opinion about something. I was believing that everyone would have to agree with me. And the opinion was that if we don't have humor and music, or music, or if we don't have a third thing, which is the ability to admire the natural world together, then, then what? Then we're just going to be hyper-partisan forever. Because this pandemic is going to end someday, with some of us surviving, and this hyper-partisanship is going to end someday, with some of us surviving, and when that day comes, we've got to be together. We've got to put up with each other. We've got to enjoy each other. So, my decision was that I have got to make a title for today's radio show that would be funny. And that's hard to do because I'm not a funny person on purpose. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I'd be making millions of dollars being a comedian, but I'm not. So, here's some of the ideas I came up with. One million Nazis parachute into swing states. Extinct animals enter Republicans' bodies as they sleep. New virus eats politicians' sexual parts. Naked Nazis, Muslim nightmares. White History Month bans sex. Republicans propose replacing the planet. Democrats want Republicans to exhaust their emotions. Politicians ban nakedness. New ecosystem accepts extinct animals. That's the one that I might go with. Dead Republicans are voting in droves. New York Times or Boogaloo Newsletter, which is more boring? So I can tell through the airwaves, this is magic, I can tell you're not laughing. All right? Oh, all right. But I would like to also add a second opinion upon this first one that I believe is, it's an opinion, you're a schmuck if you don't agree with me, and that is, see, I'm a hyper-partisan now, am I? If we don't find that common ground, if we don't imagine that togetherness after the pandemic, after the hyper-partisanship, if we don't imagine it, if we don't start creating it now in the depths of this hate and fear that we feel, it'll never arrive. <laughs> it'll never show up. Actually, we have to start thinking that it's possible now. And here I am, three weeks before the election, saying this. So I guess my timing is terrible. That's why I'm not funny. I don't have timing. I don't have the right time. T t timing. Timing. I <laughs> All right. That wasn't funny either. So we, how do we, how do we get to the other side. How do we get to the point where we can live together? What would that feel like, be like? Will I ever embrace a Republican when the social distancing isn't necessary anymore? Well, that's it for today. That's my fireside chat. Now stay tuned for news from the natural world with Savitri D. Amen. Hello. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. 
The coronavirus has an environmental silver lining. Carbon emissions have been reduced by more than 4%. Many wildlife markets around the world have been shuttered, and air quality in some places has slightly improved. But thanks to an increase in pandemic-related non-recyclable materials such as takeout plastic containers and masks, 30% more waste has crept into our oceans. There are 129 billion face masks being produced each month, and many of these masks end up in the water. They look like jellyfish, thus food to turtles and other ocean wildlife. A controversial environment chief in the Trump administration has said he has no intention of leaving his post after a U.S. district court judge deemed his tenure and ongoing occupation of the position illegal. William Perry Penley, head of the Bureau of Land Management, said this week that the judge's ruling has no impact, no impact whatsoever. I have the support of the president, he said. I have the support of the secretary of the interior. And my job is to get out and get things done to accomplish what the president wants to do. The Bureau of Land Management manages 248 million acres, or 10.5% of all land in the United States, the most of any agency. The brain-eating amoeba that contaminated the water supply of a Texas city and killed a six-year-old boy has been traced back to a splash pad. An investigation by the Center for Disease Control found the splash pad storage tank created conditions that allowed the amoeba, Negleria fowleri, to develop. The single-celled organism, which lives in freshwater environments, can cause a rare and fatal infection of the brain called primary amoebic meningoencephalitis. Almost all cases are fatal. Plastic recycling is not working. The vast majority of plastic that has ever been produced, 79%, has actually ended up in landfills or scattered around the world as litter or burned. At least 18 people died and more than a dozen are missing after floods submerged homes in central Vietnam and rough seas capsized fishing boats. Images on state media showed entire villages underwater while murky floodwaters swept through the imperial city of Huy. More than 100,000 homes have been submerged in the floods and nearly 46,000 people evacuated. The head of the World Health Organization said Monday that allowing the novel coronavirus to spread in an attempt to reach herd immunity was simply unethical. The remark was a sharp rebuke of the approach amid mounting new infections around the world. Recent days have seen the most rapid rise in cases since the pandemic began in March. Never in the history of public health has herd immunity been used as a strategy for responding to an outbreak, let alone a pandemic. It is scientifically and ethically problematic, said WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. And now, the sounds of extinction. The wolverine, also referred to as gulo gulo, the glutton, karsaju, skunk bear, or quick hatch is the largest land-dwelling species of the family Mustelidae. A solitary animal, it has a reputation for ferocity and strength out of proportion to its size, with the documented ability to kill prey many times larger than itself. 
The wolverine is found primarily in remote reaches of the northern boreal forests and subarctic and alpine tundra of the northern hemisphere. Its population has steadily declined since the 19th century owing to trapping, range reduction, and habitat fragmentation. The wolverine is now essentially absent from the southern end of its European range. Anatomically, the wolverine is a stocky, muscular animal with short legs, broad and rounded heads, small eyes, and short, rounded ears. It more closely resembles a bear than it does other mustelids. Its large, five-toed paws with crampon-like claws enable them to climb up and over steep cliffs, trees, and snow-covered peaks with ease. Wolverines have thick, dark, oily fur which is highly hydrophobic, making it resistant to frost. They are solitary animals and can roam hundreds of miles each year and hear the sound of the wolverine, gulo gulo. It's the Reverend again. I want to come into this last chapter and have a little bit of a different approach. Usually there's a letter here from one of you. Today, let's let the letter be the beginning of the Earth service, which was three things. The replacement planet message, the Sadamo gospel song, and Orange, that science fiction story about the Earth becoming one color. Well, now the replacement planet if that's a letter to us, <laughs> we'll just have to say, I get it. Neoliberal economy can be called the replacement planet because the 1% sees the things around us, the clouds, the birds, our relatives. <laughs> they know they can turn that reality into a reality show. And therefore, it becomes something that is for sale. So no object is at rest in the replacement planet it is on its way to becoming a second simulated object, which is got, it's, it's in the economy. It's got value. It can be bought and sold. It's on its way to a destination where somebody with more money waits for it. The replacement planet makes us afraid of everything because it manufactures fear because nothing is traditional anymore. And in the Sadamo song, history itself is sold. The Starbucks company came in and found the best, oldest coffees in the world, Sadamo, Harar, and Yerga Jeffe, in the mountains of Ethiopia. They suppressed the ability of the local farmers to get a good price, a trademarked price, at auction, and got a pound of Sadamo coffee for about 78 cents. Then it sold that coffee in the States for $28 to the gentrified elite who want to buy that great coffee. Well, Sadamo, the market is the god of the replacement planet. God has been replaced as well. You can make money 
being the religion. Let's take over. And the whole planet turning into one color is the ultimate expression of what we call the monoculture. Now, the replacement planet, that economy, takes control of the culture and it wants everyone to have the same desire and it wants all products to be the same. Or manufactured desire and manufactured satisfaction of that desire. And in that cycle, the 1% makes its billions. So that complexity of real human life, the complexity of real ecosystems, when a permaculture person goes into the backyard and takes a handful of soil in her hand, there are miracles and the entire universe captured in that soil. That soil will be reduced to the monoculture. It'll be turned orange. It will be drenched with Bayer, Monsanto, Dow, DuPont chemicals. It will be turned into one thing. It will be turned into the thing that makes money. Now, what do you do when that level of empire, it's one way of thinking, it's one way of being, it's got the 1% in control, and it's everywhere? What do you do when the 1%, surrounded by armies, surrounded by cops, surrounded by lawyers, surrounded by politicians, Bolsonaro, Trump, Ertegon, all of those politicians are happy to make money. They're getting paid off. What do you do when you turn to those, all those people and you say, but you are killing all of us. You are stopping life. This second planet you're making is dead. That statement is being made all the time right now, and it's falling on deaf ears. People who are making that money, they believe that they are making life. They think the reality shows reality itself, of course. Well, how do you break into that cycle of consciousness? How do you cross the property line, cross the police line, get into the interior of the control because it's going to take some kind of tremendous psycho-political reverse programming. This is an addiction on a global scale. It's something very strong. We have to just go for it. Go for life. Step off the edge of the cliff and go into a world we're not sure about. We have to go much farther than the environmental movement. They are the people who have said, it's okay. I'm on it. I'm going to oppose these governments. I'm going to find a way through my lobbying and my, my litigation and my cocktail parties. And I'm going to find a way to stop all this. I know these people. I know what they're thinking. That hasn't worked, has it? Jettison the word environmental. And let's just talk about living. The Earth is in an uprising. The Earth is in an extinction episode. And the Earth is using wildfires and pandemics and and superstorms coming out of the South Atlantic. The Earth is rising up right now, and we need to find a way to join in this fast-paced, violent evolution that's taking place. We have to be able to enter into it somehow. We can't say that's just bad weather. We have to enter into it now. life a There has to be a new way to pray, a new way to act, a new kind of language. We're going to be strange now. It's going to be weird. We've got to do this together. And that's the project of this Earth service. I hope you'll come back and work with us again and again. I've given you our email. 
I know that we'll be on the phone together. I know we'll be, after the pandemic, we'll be in crowds together. 50,000 of us will go down and stop a pipeline with our bodies. I know that we will become another kind of, together, savior of living. Will we go extinct? I don't think so. We don't have to, I don't believe. There is still such a thing as believing that life will continue. Just in saying that, we're outside of the prevailing economy, but let's say it again and again. Life hallelujah, life hallelujah, life hallelujah. Time to say goodbye and thank you. The Fiery Eagles of Justice, that wonderful jazz combo accompanying me on various messages. Brendan Burke on drums. Jason Candler, our producer and editor, is on the saxophone. Aditola Abiatis singing on the Sadamo song with the Stop Shopping Choir. Savage D, the director of the Church of Stop Shopping, on the news from the natural world and the sounds of extinction. Thank you, Savi. Donald Gallagher, our fabulous interviewee this week. We are featured and have been the last couple years on the Neil Young Archives. Thank you, Neil. Pantheon Podcasts puts us out to the podcast world. WABC puts us on the AM radio side of the dial. And we have dozens of FM stations across the country who are taking Reverend Billy Radio right now. And we have a couple new people to add to our family. WCRS, Columbus, Ohio, 92.7 on your dial. And Santa Barbara, California, KCSB, 91.9. Welcome. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Life-a-lujah.